Ready, spaghetti. Ready, spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Maletsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Yes, for sure. And if you want to connect with us on the internet, family, please find us at trustthejourney.today. So that's our website and our Instagram where you can get Trust the Journey swag, where you can join the Trust the Journey family, which is our group of like-minded, like-hearted people, you know, who want to expand the conversations beyond the podcast and have just a different level of support in their life. So yeah, please join us. Uh, scroll down on the website, click on Patreon, and any amount will get you in there. Uh, and we'll add you to the private Facebook group. And that's it. Yeah, trust the journey today. We love you, and thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So we are in the midst of our new interview series that we have decided to do, which we've called Reflections. It's reflections on our own lives, our own journeys. We've decided to dive deeper, to share more, to try to be more vulnerable, more honest, more real, and hopefully be more available for people to relate to and to connect, as our mission statement says. So, yeah, storytelling, yeah. Yeah. looking for those stories, as opposed to only talking concept both of which are valuable, but yeah, an exploration of story and sharing. So last week we did the first, uh, second interview of myself and we talked about spirituality. And so now it's reflections. It's Melanie's turn. <laughs> My turn. Oh, geez. Yeah. Here we go. So we're going to dive into the topic of spirituality specific to Melanie's personal experience. And so as this topic surfaces, I find myself thinking about, well, where do we start, you know? And I'd actually like to start with right now. I'd like to start with who you are spiritually today. And, ha and then I want to learn the story of what yeah. has brought you to this point. Yeah, that's a good question. I, it's an ever-evolving experience and process and connection. Um, the fact that I even can say that I am a, a spiritual person is different than historically I would have talked about this type of stuff, you know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, I've, I've very much leaned into a spiritual practice over the last gosh, five years, six years max. Um, and that practice, which I'm happy to share more about, has been critical in terms of my ability to feel peace and my ability to feel secure in myself and in the world. It has deepened my relationships. Like, I mean, my spiritual practice has elevated every part of my life, including my business success. Like it is and was the missing piece of my success, quote unquote, what people would, I, I think, externally look at as success, which I had a lot of before I was sort of in this realm, in this zone of practice. But yeah, it's very, it's very apparent to me looking back that it was the key thing I was missing. Now, it's interesting to hear how you d describe it as the key, like the, the most important element, kind of like the, you know, the cornerstone that actually f holds everything else up. And I think that for a lot of us, sometimes it's easy to forget that we are spiritual beings and that we are rooted in some journey that we're living and we get distracted by all the things that are happening all the time and we forget that the spiritual side of it is really the underpinning of the entire experience and 
the day-to-day, our goals, our families, our jobs, our surviving, our bank accounts, our travel, our trips, all those things are very fulfilling of our time and our thoughts and our consciousness. So what changed? What got your attention away from Melsonore and melaniecurtis.com and the success driven individual that said I need something else yeah it's a very simple answer excruciating extreme pain like massive life breakdown massive breakdown of self reaching having what you would think would elicit feelings of happiness and peace and contentment and I was in uh, an experience of being in the most pain of my life. So it that type of pain and heartbreak and hurt and confusion, true confusion, you know, I think leads a person, at least it did me, to seeking, to seeking, to to being willing to explore ideas that I was not willing to explore before. And... Uh, I think that's a, a key thing for lots of things. But yeah, relative to spirituality, and this is, I began my story, and I think it's important because we can talk about these big concepts, but they're not going to land if people don't know where I came from, I feel like. And so I, I feel compelled to say I started with religion. You know, I started with, and there's, I have connection to the experiences I've had with religion relative to my family members, which I'd like to share about. But, you know, I started as a, you know, Christian girl who grew up in a Christian household. And, you know, we went to church on Easter and Christmas for a couple of times, and then we never went back. You know, it's kind of like we were non-practicing in a lot of ways, but we considered ourselves Christian and, and that was not something I thought much about as a young person until I started questioning it and going, huh? Like what, what the hell? Like, I I don't, this doesn't make any sense. Like I, I had that experience of starting to question the religious doctrine because it seemed confusing to me after having believed it my whole life. And that happened when I was probably around 23 or 24. That questioning started. So you just answered two questions for me that I was I was actually w- waiting to pose. Mm-hmm. And it gives some context. And so what, what I want to reflect on here is you say that you started in religion. So do you define yourself as a religious person now? No, 100% no. not. No. But I say spiritual I'm, person. I say I'm a spiritual person. <clears throat> yeah, my my current my current language that I use is the universe. I trust the universe. I feel connected. We are one. Those types of things are where I reside now and deeply you're, feel deeply connected to and deeply believe in. And you're wearing your universe shirt. Fuck yeah, I wore it on purpose. My space shirt had to be on this episode. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So um, what tipped you? What was so not the late, not the pain that happened later in life, but earlier in life. What, where did the doubts start coming in? Where did the questions start rising? What were the things that started to have you questioning the authority of the religious doctrine? You know, I'm saying, with being told what the answers are and saying, well, I don't know if I don't know if I like this. Yeah, totally. It was because two of my best friends and four way uh, skydiving teammates. And these two are still two of my best friends in the whole world. They're so wonderful. So I had two extremes, and I was sort of in the middle. Uh, So my friend Lou, he was a staunch atheist, like loud talking Jersey boy would tell you all day long, you know, (laughs) talk about atheism forever and, and really argue his point on atheism. And that was, you know, interesting and, and, and influential conversation in my life. And then on the other side of the house, I had my friend Steve, who was a staunch Christian, 
super, super like mega love Jesus and really practiced, practiced and cared and, and still is today a very, very religious person. Anyway, so in between these two sort of polar opposite conversations, two of, and by the way, two of my best friends, right? And that's one thing I think is really beautiful about our friendship is that we could have such, you know, divisive conversations and still be completely loving and caring and supportive of one another as people. And still to this day, same thing. So anyway, because of that, because of that, because of their influence and uh, my questioning around and my sort of beginning to question just religion, I thought about it and I said to myself and I basically, because I was like almost worried or not worried, I was almost like sick of thinking about it. If that makes sense. I I totally get it. I got to a point where I was like, I'm sick of thinking about it. And I said, I am an atheist. And I like said, I'm an atheist. And I put it in and I said it. And I'm like, yes. And it was like almost a rebellion against the just needing to think about this. What is the answer to this thing, this question? And so I said that for, I don't know how long, but it basically got me out of the uncomfortable, like the discomfort of being in that conversation with myself because I said this thing and I made a decision. I say this a lot to life coaching clients that certainty is very seductive. And that was a very good example of that for me because fast forward, I'm now saying I'm an atheist. I don't know. I don't remember how long this lasted, but what I think it was a couple of years or maybe a year or something like that. But I had I had this experience of feeling really sad at the idea of of atheism. And it was it it, it manifested in me emotionally such that I was in the car one day. I mean, the people who know Elsinore, Scott of Elsinore will recognize this, but we were sitting outside of a sushi restaurant in Lake Elsinore, California. I was in the back seat. Coach was in the front seat. Steve is coach. I call him coach. He was in the front seat. I was in the back seat. I think Lou was in getting our order or something like that. And I told him, I said, I just feel like that's not, I just feel like, like this, like no like atheism, it just it doesn't feel right to me, you know, like, and I cried and I was like, I don't know if I believe in God and I don't know if I whatever, but I really was, I'm almost getting choked up thinking about it because it was a, a really pivotal point in my spiritual journey as in my exploration of these ideas because I finally acknowledged to myself that I didn't know, but that I felt something. And so I cried. I told Steve that I didn't know. And I basically went back on and said, okay, I'm not an atheist. I believe something is happening in this in this world and I don't understand it. And that's where I'm at right now. I find it very human to observe that these like pivotal moments happen like sitting in a car outside a sushi restaurant where it's kind of, it's there's no big spiritual revolution like breakthrough in some <laughs> ceremony or temple or you know it's some some big religious thing it's like literally the the little moments where you're just sitting with somebody who you trust who you can talk to and coming to a moment with yourself and being like, I don't feel good about this. And really it's the inward reflection of how you feel about it that is telling the true story. Yeah, and being willing and brave enough to honor that and to vocalize it to someone you trust and to yourself. So, So tell me about your grandma, please. I would like to hear how your relationship with her and speaking of somebody you trust, how this relates to who Melanie Curtis has become. 
Yes, my gram has a real significant has a really significant role in my spiritual self. And uh, this is my mom's mom. She oh, also a devout Christian. So in this time of confusion for me, I never used to be the person who would call my family and talk about emotional things. I kept it kind of, you know, positive. I didn't really show those sort of vulnerable sides of myself to my family as much as I do now by certainly. Um, But it was definitely a defense mechanism of just not wanting to feel vulnerable, you know, not wanting to have the emotions come up that were relative to the things that were there for me. So this was an exploration that I decidedly was brave in that respect. And I called, I talked to both my grandmother and my mom about this. And I called my gram and I asked her, like, why do you believe? You know, like, why do you believe in this? I don't, I don't understand. Like real, really curiously asking her, like, I wanted to know genuinely. And she shared a story about my aunt. Oh, gosh, I could cry thinking about this. (laughs) My gram is so awesome. (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) My gram, she shared a story about my aunt who passed when she was 26 from a blood clot and how she was in the hospital room excuse me with my aunt and she basically felt like she had a true experience with God with her daughter and she connected that experience to Jesus, you know, and to Christianity, to her beliefs. And I felt her, she was not trying to connect it. Like for her, it was connected. It was very, very true and real for her. And so that's a a big reason why I had that experience with Steve in the car is because I was starting to explore this confusion in me. And even though I wasn't necessarily on the same page as my gram, but like believing in religious doctrine, I at least was like, I I believe that she had some experience that was so moving and real for her. And I believe that's real and possible for me. I just don't know what that means. So I'm okay to leave it open-ended, but it, it moved me deeply to know that. And so, yeah, that's part, that's a, the first part of how my grandmother influences my spiritual path. I just want to point out that there's something really beautiful about this journey where we're kind of given a pass a lot of the time to just go through our lives without really being forced to any kind of notable um observation or having to make a choice like there's there's these periods that we live that are very kind of middle of the road and it's when we get the great big variations like the big lows and the big highs that we relate more to the spiritual experience right so for sure births deaths top of the list right new lives coming and going um new new lives coming and full lives ending and that really cements our relationship to mortality and triggers the bigger picture questions about who are we where do we come from why are we here the you know the relationship to wait a second i'm i'm more than just who i am in my day to day Uh, there's a bigger picture involved so when I think about those moments, you know, we all, we've all had them in our lives. What, so stepping aside from, you know, the first time you're exposed to it, you're exposed to it through your grandmother's share, right? When did it start to 
anchor down for you that when you are now relating to these experiences of life coming and going? Yeah, it was a long time. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My, I have this experience. I have this recalibration of my belief. I allow myself to be in the unknown, sort of, sort of, you know, agnostic, I guess. I, I never really called myself anything specific, to be honest. I really was just like, I don't know. I was really in the camp of, I don't know, but I believe something is. That was really where I was for many years. So uh, I'd have to think what year that was when I was talking to my gram. It was, it was, yeah, 20, 2005, something like that. Anyway, 2004, maybe 2005, doesn't really matter. But so I go forward as this person with this sort of openness, but really then did not lean into spirituality at all. So what was happening at the time in my life was I was starting to be ready to move on from working. And we talked about my skydive Elsinore years and, and those, how wonderful they were, but then how I wanted to move on from those. One of the things that I did in that time was I went to New Zealand and Australia on a really large trip. I went for like three week trip and that was something that I had never done in my adult life, who was very committed to, I have a job, I have to work, I have to show up every day, I only have certain amount of vacation days and this and that. And luckily, I, again, sort of was brave against my ideology of, I can't go on a trip like that. And I asked and I've tried, I basically tried to figure out how to make that happen, and my, I was able to make it happen. So I go on this trip, and I am in New Zealand, and I'm reading the book Eat, Pray, Love, which is by one of my key mentors, Elizabeth Gilbert. This is partly why she is one of my mentors, is this experience I'm about to share with you. So I'm in this lodge in New Zealand. We had just gotten there. And I'm alone, I'm laying on a couch, and I'm looking out these amazing windows. It's sort of this big, tall, if you can imagine a big, tall, like A-frame, you know, just whole wall of windows looking out onto Mount Cook in New Zealand. And again, I'm by myself, and I'm reading this book that I can't put down. And I finish the book. And I don't even remember like the words or what she said at the end of the book or anything. But at the end of the book, I had this ecstatic moment where, and I said for many years that I counted this as my first enlightened experience, which I think is kind of comical using that that word, enlightened, because, oh God, how much I had to learn. But the, and still do, and still do, good Lord. But I had this ecstatic experience of freedom, of I just burst into ecstatic tears, ecstatic laughter, ecstatic joy. And I, I, I just was, and that's just what happened. And so that to me felt very spiritual, like something is right about this. I don't, again, don't necessarily know what it is, but I, again, sort of counted that as an enlightened moment for a long time. But that's pretty much it for a while. So you're once again touching on an inner connection, something quiet, something simple, not a big moment, just an inward feeling of this feels right. Something about this is correct. Something about this is a knowing. Yeah? Yes. That's really interesting. I hear this repeated theme of the inward reflection being the bigger story in in the in the whole tell. And I hear that in my own experience too, you know, of like it's the the gut that the, the the you know, they say 
listen to your gut you know it's that the, we we know what's right and wrong in our belly you know yeah it's interesting so tell me more tell me more yeah. about what brings you along further along on this journey yeah and so obviously earlier i mentioned the excruciating pain massive life breakdown <laughs> I laugh because the extremity of life is so comical to me. Uh, so yeah, so I have this sort of uh, enlightened moment, this ecstatic. I'd say that this, it's not that I did nothing relative to my spiritual self. It's that I did not in any major way dismantle what was sort of driving the resistance to going on a trip like that in the first place. So my patterns of high achieving, overachieving, you know, I have to do this, the gremlin thoughts of I'm not good enough unless I overachieve, like all of that was still very much in play during these subsequent years, okay? So that's, I think, really important to know because that then builds into what becomes the big breakdown, which I'll talk about more. But so how spirituality showed up in the multiple years after that moment was in my creating and in the ways I was connecting in my friendships. So friendships have been very deep for me in my life too, very, very important to my spiritual health. And I didn't even know it at the time, to be honest, but that connecting deeply with other people, with friends was super important. So I did it through, so spiritual practice for me was essentially my writing, my, the way I would courageously self-express both in writing and what I was creating and in how I was showing up with friends and with people in my close circle. So, you know, I had other little moments like Shannon Hernandez is, again, my best friend, and she's a very spiritual person. And we had this one experience where Chicks Rock, I ran this event, and I talked about it before, but it was amazing. And I had this, again, another sort of ecstatic burst of tears where I was just crying, tears of joy. And I just couldn't even, and we were just sharing this beautiful moment of connection, but it was also very unclear this moment other than connection with her and connection with doing something good that felt right in terms of creating and facilitating joy and connection for others. Um, but really the next big thing, the next big major shift in my spiritual awareness and effort came when, when my life broke down. Are you willing to talk about that? Will you yeah. willing yeah, to share yeah, some details course. about what brought what brought the house of cards down? Yeah, and of course. What um, did you rebuild? Or, yeah, you know, like tell I'm me the happy story. To, I'm happy to talk about it. I've written about it a lot, and I think it's so important, especially for people in positions of leadership, to share their struggles, to share their humanity and that's another thing going back to eat pray love is why it's so was so moving to me is that elizabeth gilbert is sharing about her massive life breakdown and her complete crash of her identity and trying to figure out who she is and so basically i mean mine very simply came from building a life building a, a a life, and I'm saying that by meaning multiple facets. So I built this career in skydiving. I'm building this life coaching business. I'm, I got married. I, you know, have a house. I, you know, have all this, this life, you know, this, I built this life. And I say I, but I mean, you know, I, we, the people in my life built this life. And it sounds very textbook, very, yeah, like, totes, as it should be. Yes. Totally. Yes. Yes, and I had a little bit of experience breaking from the norm, of course, by leaving investment banking and going and doing skydiving as my profession. So I wasn't completely inexperienced with wanting to diverge from what society dictates, but very clearly based on what I created, there was still quite a bit of that programming going on for me. And so anyway, very long story short, 
I, my marriage blew up. So I ended up in this heartbreak divorce experience, which was completely agonizing and painful. That also was coupled with, I had been experiencing more fear and burnout in skydiving because my like friends had died and I was super burned out from traveling and just very exhausted as a result of the high achieving and the overachieving part of my patterns. You know, so that was leading me, all of that was leading me to breakdown, you know, and interpersonally, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to have boundaries. Like I really was lacking, very lacking in certain skills and I didn't know it. And I also just didn't know, I had no awareness of that, right? I thought I was doing I I'm, I'm thought I'm doing it, doing all, doing all right. You know, I'm doing best I can. Right. You, we think we, you know, are doing a really good job and that's totally great. There's nothing, I'm not even dissing myself. Like, you know, we do the very best we can with the skills and the awareness that we have at any certain point. And so anyway, getting to that point led me into this true massive breakdown where Everything in my life was suddenly insecure. So the life that I had, that I had built, was instant in terms of the relationship and the love relationship was instantly gone. The physical place I lived was instantly gone. I moved back to the Northeast. The sense of I know what I'm doing, I have some control over what I'm building, and I'm going in a direction that is smart and positive, gone. I'm also exhausted from skydiving, so I then have to basically, I, this is another part of the story, but I choose to take a break from skydiving as well, which lasted two years. And then so the largest then part of my confident identity was also gone. So I am in this complete and utter fucking teardown of like everything up to that point. And so... In that experience, I laugh because <laughs> I laugh again because it's so intense, but so good, guys. Oh God, if you're in this right now, please just believe me. This is your this is your time to do some good work. And so anyway, in the pain, I needed, I was so confused and so in pain and so just didn't know what I was doing. I was open to things I never was open to before, you know? I really got therapy. I really talked with my best friends about what they do to love themselves. I really tried to practice that. I really tried to start learning what boundaries looked like. How did someone who was deathly afraid of conflict and rejection and lived her life as a people pleaser up to that point, how does that person learn how to speak up for herself? So all of that stuff started to happen in conjunction with, and that sort of led me to my next level of spiritual connection. When you, um, when you say people pleaser, I start thinking about um, the difference between you know, there's a there's a challenging line to define when it comes to self love or being servient to others. And in, and when I speak about this, what I'm saying is like it's really important to do things for other people, right? Like to be the giving person who contributes, who puts back into society, who cares about everybody, and that's a really big part of who you are. It's a, it's a huge piece. It's very evident. Anybody who's ever encountered you knows that what Melanie does, Melanie does because she cares about everybody and that caring about everybody also includes herself. And so it sounds to me like what I'm hearing from you is you realize that there needed to be a balance in this in some way. 100%. Yeah. And I didn't have the skills to do that. So I had to learn them. And so that took multiple years. You know, this is not a short term, I have some awakening because I'm in deep pain. It's like I'm in deep pain and I'm dismantling patterns that have been around for a long time. And so that takes a lot of hard work and and opening up to pathways that you really maybe weren't open to before. 
you know, and so that's honestly where, and this is sort of much further down the path, but this is where my engagement in psychedelic healing really comes in as well, is that like, there's no way I would have even remotely considered that for any reason. Like I was very much staunchly against drugs, you know, and I had this idea that, you know, just I had this broad sweeping idea of what drugs were, Nancy Reagan. I was very much in that influence and thinking it was really all substances were bad for you, which I, the, you know, I just am very grateful for the influences that I had that allowed me to, I mean, again, over, and I've shared this on the podcast before, I think on our uh, other episodes, but it took me about four years of really starting to learn about that type of depth of healing uh, before I was willing to even try it myself. It took a long time for me to to learn and get comfortable with hearing other people's stories, really learning about it before I was willing to do it myself. And that's because of breaking down those old ideologies and also caring about wanting to be mindful and not reckless. So I have a question with regards to something that you said. You you said it took a lot of hard work and it still takes a lot of hard work. So that that wording, hard work, it's very broad. It could mean so many different things. So I'd like for you to expand a little bit on that in the different areas or different ways in which that has come to be your life and who you are. Where, what do you mean, do the work? Yeah, good, great question. Not even a good question, a great question. (laughs) It is showing up every time you don't want to. That sounds fun. It sucks. (laughs) The work, and I laugh with my life coaching clients, I laugh with my friends, I laugh with anybody who's on a growth path, that growth is so not fun. And so what, how it looked for me, and it looked so many different ways over the course of those years when I was, again, not necessarily at the point where I'm ready to do a psychedelic journey to heal more deeply, but I need to even get to the point where I can even contemplate something like that. It was like crying on the phone to my friends, letting them see me cry, letting them hear me. It was having those conversations with my trusted family members, letting them see me and support me. So it's basically a big practice of letting people see the imperfect sides of me, that what my old wiring of perfectionism would have me say, you can't show people that. People will not be able to handle that. They'll not love you. They'll reject you. So being in, in those conversations when I was in that real emotional pain part of like letting people who I trusted, who have, who had earned that role in my life, letting them support me in that deeper way. It also shows up in obviously the way that I write, like I talked about being brave in my sharing and my willingness to contribute, like rising and believing and showing up for that value. Like if I can say I believe in courageous self-expression as my highest contribution to the world and myself, I can say that all day long. But if I don't show up on a podcast like this and be honest about my gram and cry about her, that's not really, you know what I mean? It's not like I need to cry, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm not really being willing to do that, if I'm not really, like, challenging myself and my edge, my comfort zone, then I'm not really living into those values. And so it showed up a lot like that. And it showed up even in, you know, dating, where I really didn't want to get back out there. You know, I really was just didn't want to do it, you know, and then I had certain friends support me to just start because that's a part of my life I care about. And that's something I I say to people a lot who are in that period and in that challenge where I'm like, I fiercely respect people 
who put in the effort for the areas of their life that they care about. And like, I definitely care about having partnership and love and, and love relationship in my life. So I'm willing to challenge my feelings and, and move through them to grow. And so it looked like that, you know, saying yes to a date when I maybe wanted to just stay home and be miserable, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. It's not the easiest thing. And other times it's, it's taking care of myself without another person. You know, it's learning how to meditate over a six-year time period through major bouts of resistance. You know, it, it's all kinds of different things. Meditation's so good. It's so good. It's such I'm a wonderful I'm a 100% thing. convert. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's such a great thing to learn to practice because it's like the most frustrating thing in the world. It's <laughs> yeah. like the hardest thing you could ever do and you'll never do it perfectly it's impossible and the practice of it is the practice of accepting that it's never you're you're just constantly going to fail it's like accepting the imperfectness of ourself in that we will always be imperfect in this and And that well well and just one thing just quick interjection on meditation i just want to say this quick it's totally all of that it's totally hard and annoying and and uh until it's not, until it's not, yeah. until you've, you've worked enough on your mindset or skill set or whatever, until it is something you then own, you know? So like, I, I am not tortured by meditation at all anymore. Do you laugh when you find that you're like, okay, I'm in my space. I've got my <laughs> thing going on. And the next thing is you're at the grocery store and you're running some errand and you're talking to somebody and you're dealing with family and you're like, what in the hell? Wait, one second ago, I was totally in my space, and now I'm totally on some tangent. Uh, The the joys of the massive amount of opportunities we have to accept ourselves. So (laughs) Ongoing. So anyway, go ahead. No, this is exactly the point that I wanted to talk about in what you just shared was that what I heard you say was my ego was holding up the idea of who I am. Right. And there's this shell, which is the ego, which is the defense mechanism, which is creating my life. It's got my marriage. It's got my job. It's got my idea of, you know, how I relate to people and all these things. And that you've had to shed that or allow it to step to the side in order to show your true self of what's hiding behind this wall of armor. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, I was absolutely for sure terrified. No question about it. That, that, the ego, I feel like, and I I mean, I don't, I hesitate to even use that language, but just patterns, the things that we build up, it's from fear, you know, it's from old pain. And that's the thing about, that's the next part of my spiritual evolution is, finding the ways to really unearth and excavate those that deep pain and and be able to be with it and to be able to look at it and love it and this is brings us back to my gram and when my gram passed I was with her in the room with my mom and a bunch of other family members. And my mom was holding my gram's hand. She's in a hospital bed. And I'm holding my mom. You know, I'm standing behind my mom. My mom's sitting in a chair. My mom's holding my gram's hand. And I have my hands on my mom's arm and shoulder. And experiencing myself in that moment as strength you know what I mean being in something that I never thought I could ever handle you know and being able to be that so that was and so when my gram passed it was definitely really traumatizing for me. You know, I was so sad, even though I was experiencing myself for my mom as this pillar of strength in that moment. 
that experience, like losing her, quote unquote, really stayed with me and was, you know, just hurt. You know what I mean? It, and fast forward as I'm doing the deeper work to heal, you know, to really heal myself as part of my ability to access my light, you know, so if, and that's something I haven't even mentioned yet on this call is that I, you know, I have, I believe in the light, you know, us being light. And that also comes from my work with psychedelics, where really connecting to and getting a sense for and an awareness of myself as this ball of light and love and sort of that was what's fascinating about that though is that I feel like I knew that before so it's not like oh I go on a psychedelic journey or I'm in a ceremonial and again the only way I've only part of this I'm talking about is in ceremony where it's meant to be this sort of deep enlightening spiritual healing experience that's where I've accessed these thoughts and these awarenesses because it felt like very much like I was aware of that before and I was like, oh yes, now it's very clear to me. Okay, ah, uh, I, uh, I get it. I, th- I thought I knew this, but I thought I was kind of just making a joke, ha ha ha, I'm a ball of light. But no, it's actually real and there's something to that. So stay with me. So also in my deep healing relative to my grandmother is that in one of my ceremonies, I, the funniest thing guys is that the irony is that I was doing work on really trying to heal and, and heal what I had experienced as anxious attachment in my love relationships, you know, fearing of abandonment, fearing of loss, right? Totally understandable based on my life experiences as a child of divorce and just my experience with my marriage and all of that stuff. It's all very understandable for people to feel that. Lots of people feel anxious attachment. But I was really in the work and wanting to heal that. And so I had gone into this ceremony with that as my goal. And what's interesting in my experience with psychedelic healing is that it delivers you what you need, not what you ask for. (laughs) And I laugh because I go in thinking, okay, I'm trying to work on my love relationship self and trying to find more security in myself and self-love and this and that. And what I ended up healing and experiencing and is I felt very I I mean I felt very very connected to my gram and I felt her with me and nothing me telling the story cannot possibly express the depth of its impact on me by the way just for that caveat but I felt like I was really truly with her and she helped me feel safer about losing the people I love the most in this world. Like she helped remind me of my strength and she basically just said, you know, basically just told me and sort of shared with me and just helped me see how strong I really am and how able I am to be with people and how able I am to weather these perceptible losses. And also because we were together, it was also like, oh, it's not a loss. There is no loss here. She's not gone. She is entirely with me. And again, I feel like I'm not doing this story justice, but it was a big, 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 big deal for me to be with her and to understand that when and it when it becomes time for me to lose those I love the most in the world through death, that I'll be able to be strong. <laughs> Tears again. <laughs> Beautiful share, Melanie. Thank you Thanks. very much. Thanks for letting me ramble. It's hard to it's I don't have that as set up in a concise share at all. 
it's really actually very nice to hear you um, allow yourself the the room to just express the experiences and and to do your best to turn the feelings and the emotions and the knowings and the, the experience itself into you know words that somebody else can try and share uh, relate to and experience themselves and of course they they never do justice right they yeah. we all know our own life experience and our own the feelings we have writing it's you know a, a sad attempt to try to truly convey what it is it doesn't contain it all but i would like to thank you very much for your willingness to be vulnerable and open to share this because you can see that it's obviously a very emotional and very meaningful to you and so i have a lot of gratitude for your expression of your experience to our audience and to allowing me to personally be present to this thank you thank you Yeah, and I, just to add to this too is it's not that this for me. I, I hesitate also to too highly focus on the psychedelic. It's just that that was a place where I was really able to access spiritual depth and experiences through which I was I have been able to and continue to be able to access real, true, deep healing and spiritual centeredness and spiritual strength. But what's most wonderful about spiritual strength or whatever you want to call it, this type of healing, this type of of finding, and I say, I don't even know finding, but uncovering ourselves and connecting with who we really feel we truly are, whatever that means how we are so truly connected and what we see in our waking life is so much more than meets the eye, that awareness brought back into everyday life. And this is the thing is that I talk, we talked a lot about the work is that it's not about, oh, go and have some spiritual awakening. It's about, okay, heal, have an awakening. Now, what are you going to do with that? What does that look like integrated into your life, right? Do you think that I am still a massive, highly overachiever person who does not take care of herself? You're wrong. I am not that person anymore. Why? Because I've integrated my, my growth and my awakenings into boots on the ground, pragmatic, real life, you know, and same thing with connecting to my, with my gram, you know, like I, I, I'm connected to her all the time. I see a lilac bush and I smell the lilac and I'm like, hi, Graham, how are you? We have a little chat and it's, and it's awesome, you know, and she's with me. You know what I mean? It's not some, not like some big thing. I'm not, you know, breaking down in tears every time I smell a lilac bush, but I'm, I'm, I'm with her. She's with me, you know, and my gram is just a really key figure in my spiritual uh, experience, but there's others in my, in my life around that, but she's definitely the most significant. I think it's wonderful that you have that connection through the olfactory experience of smelling a lilac. And I'll share that as I was a child along the back fence in our yard, we had rows of lilac bushes. So yeah. the purple and white lilacs would bloom <laughs> in the spring and summer and the fragrance would, as soon as you mention it, I immediately can smell the yes. bouquet of the lilac. And I remember so many times of burying my nose in them as a child and it springs back a flood of memories. And it's so often that that simple scent just allows us to connect you know and that's nature right that's the the universe that's all that is you know mother earth reaching out and just touching us being like here remember to connect here's a little touch from whatever way for you to remember you know it's so true but i know i know we're getting close on time and i want to make sure i say this before the end is and and really really and I've already said it, but highlight it again about the integration of our 
ahas of the breakthroughs that we have, whether it's through a friendship, whether it's sitting in a church, whether it's being out in nature, whether it's in a a version of a healing ceremony with anything, sound, trees, you know, light, whatever, that we take those things and we really bring them to our waking life because why did I care to go and and think about spirituality as it was? Was It was because I found myself in massive pain and breakdown. And so if we're looking for avenues to feel, and this is the thing, like, and I can also say, like, the work that I've done has worked. Like, now in love relationship, I am, I am secure. You know, it's not that I never feel anxious or never feel, you know, some level of anxiety in, in various relationships or whatever, but like it's worked. This work has worked for me. Like I am a more secure person. I know how to affect boundaries. I know that it's love to affect boundaries. I have experience of myself being brave, owning that I'm a ball of light, even though that sounds fucking weird. You know what I mean? Like that is the stuff that for me has been really, really important and the actionable parts of my being a spiritual being, but also being someone who's not afraid to be that. You know what I mean? Who's really stepping into whatever that is. And so that's what my spiritual path looks like. Yours may look entirely different and surely does. And so anyway, I just call people to embrace whatever those paths look like for them and whatever calls to them. I have to um, just pick out the one thing that I really heard from you in there, which was the joyfulness that comes from embracing the insanity of just like this sounds crazy but i'm going with it (laughs) because that ride in particular when you just like okay i'm gonna let go of concept of control i'm going to let go of what i deem as right or wrong or okay or not okay or weird or normal correct and i'm gonna take my hands off those handlebars and i'm gonna let the universe decide how i feel Right. When you just let the feeling guide you, then it can be such an ecstatic experience of spirituality, of connectivity. And that was the other word. Freedom. Yeah. Connectivity, yes. Connectivity is why I heard you the whole section that you were on there for a few minutes. I was like, connectivity is the underlying tone here. Connectivity to nature, connectivity to self, connectivity to grams, connectivity to all these things that are always always is all is all one this giant connectivity net yeah yeah and that's one of the biggest pieces of healing right because if i think about and i you know i talk about anxious attachment and anxiety and abandonment and fear of loss and all those things it's that is centered in a in a unconscious belief that we are able to ever be disconnected And so if my spiritual path has delivered me anything and the work that I've done has delivered me anything, it's exactly that, that we, that disconnection is an illusion. It's simply not real, that we are connected. And that even if it looks a certain way in my, you know, waking life, it doesn't mean that disconnection on the spiritual sense is, is real. It's that, you know, so yeah, that. I I absolutely agree with you. I feel like a lot of the... But one of the greatest potential reasons that we are here having a human experience is to feel what it's like to be alone or to be an individual or the word I, the experience of I, experience myself as an individual. And then the the, the whole game is to remember that we're not. Yeah. There's no I. <laughs> right. You know, That's the I, whole game. I love it. I is the first first letter in the word is. And I so is awesome. everything. Yeah. That's so awesome. The game. Yes, the game. <laughs> On that note, my friend, thank you very much for the space, for holding space for me to share that. And I, uh, yeah, I just honor you and I'm very grateful. That's my honor. Thank you very much for the share. It's such a pleasure to um, be 
in this space with you and to create this podcast for all of our listeners. So thank you to our audience for joining us for this episode and for allowing Melanie the space to share her spiritual experience with you. Yeah, for sure, guys. And it's so funny, but the tagline at the end of Trust the Journey is so real. You know, like we say it and it sounds kind of funny, like we're forcing a tagline, but it's so real. You know, like keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey. If I didn't do that stuff, fuck, where would I be? Boom, high five. We love you guys. We love you. <laughs>